Hello, welcome to Ask About the ADA, the podcast where we answer your questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act and how it applies to everyday life. On this edition of the podcast, we're going to go back to a webinar that the Northeast ADA hosted in December 2021. The webinar was called What's the Question? And it featured frequently asked questions received here at the Northeast ADA Center. We came up with these questions both through our internal review and research, as well as soliciting questions from the public that they would like to have answered. Today, we have two questions that were submitted to us from the public. The first has to deal with reasonable accommodations that may or may not be approved. And the second has to deal with the use of audio recordings that are needed because of a disability. You'll hear my voice, Joe Zeski, answering the questions. However, the entire technical assistance team here at the Northeast ADA Center, Christopher Sweet and Jennifer Perry, also participated and answered questions from the public. So sit back and listen, and I hope you enjoy. Here is the first question. I have a traumatic brain injury, and among my collection of symptoms are antiretrograde amnesia and aphasia. As part of my toolkit, I use my phone and other devices to record information that could be important to me. There are three questions under that. What is the limitation to this right? How far, uh, how far is too far? Am I justified in recording if I feel threatened or if my rights are uh, being infringed upon? And finally, how may I use those recordings? Uh, what, if any, are the limitations uh, for their use? Now let's look at the answer to that. And unfortunately, some of this really goes beyond what the ADA specifies and really goes beyond what the ADA centers can answer. Again, we don't provide legal advice. And what is being asked here to some degree, goes beyond what the ADA covers and addresses. So it's really out of our purview. There's a couple key things, though, that you can definitely keep in mind. First, since this person, as they shared, has a traumatic brain injury, has uh, multiple conditions that certainly uh, can qualify as a disability, using a device like a cell phone or PDA or other uh, electronic device to record uh, conversations for informational purposes, in other words, to keep track of information if there's difficulty with memory or other functions, certainly that could be a form of a modification allowed by either a state and local government entity or by a public accommodation under Title III, and perhaps as well uh, in an employment situation where you have an employer who may need to accommodate an individual so they can do their essential job function. This would come under, generally speaking, effective communication as why this should be permitted by these different organizations. However, a lot of these other questions that the person raised, um, such as um, you know, what are the limitations to this right? Again, under the ADA, it's in order to provide effective communication, and that's the intended purpose of allowing the recording so answering how far is too far is a little bit 
beyond what we can really say. Um, and certainly if someone is feel threatened or feels that they are being discriminated against, then they definitely have a right to file a complaint, but whether or to what extent uh, recording could be used as part of that process is a little bit beyond what we do here and can provide information on here at the Northeast ADA Center. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, so this is one of those situations where we would suggest and provide the basic framework like I just did in terms of effective communication. But in terms of finding out some of the other specifics in terms of the use of the recording beyond what the ADA specifies, that is a little bit beyond what we can do. And so we would recommend seeking legal advice in that type of a situation. Second question is more of a statement than exactly a question. It says, give some examples of reasonable accommodation requests that have not been approved and explanations for why. I will share that this particular question, I believe, came after a webinar we recently did on mental health conditions in the workplace. And so uh, the accommodations here refer to employment ones. And so that's what I'm going to address in our answer. Uh, be aware, though, that the term accommodation typically does refer to workplace accommodations. However, a lot of times you'll find that people use the term accommodation sort of as a catch-all for modification or uh, auxiliary aid or service that are provided to a person by either a Title II or three entity, that's state and local government, or um, a public accommodation. So be aware that the term accommodation can be a little bit fuzzy in terms of how people use it. But in this context, I think it refers to the more particular definition as used in the ADA in terms of a reasonable accommodation in the workplace. So we can look at what exactly that is. A reasonable accommodation, quite simply, is an adjustment. It's a change in the work environment that lets a person who has a disability be able to do the essential parts of their job, the essential job functions. And so accommodations can take on a lot of different forms. It can be physical changes in the environment, providing pieces of equipment. It could be uh, doing a change in policy. There are many different forms of reasonable accommodations. Each time an issue regarding reasonable accommodation comes up, it needs to be looked at on a case-by-case basis. Everyone's disability will impact them differently. And everyone who has a job responsibility, it's going to be a little bit different what the essential functions of a job are. So every case needs to be looked at uh, singularly. One other thing to also keep in mind is that as a person engages, a person with a disability engages in the reasonable accommodation uh, process, it's a dialogue. It's the conversation between an employer and an employee or applicant with a disability. Ultimately, though, the employer gets to decide what accommodation will be provided. However, it must be effective. In other words, it must allow the person to do the essential job functions. Now, an employer doesn't have to provide a reasonable accommodation that would pose an undue hardship. 
undue hardship, meaning significant difficulty or expense for an employer. And so that is often why an employer may deny a particular type of accommodation or a specific accommodation request, I should say. And we have a few examples here that I've adapted from guidance from the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the federal agency that enforces Title I of the ADA. The first is uh, an example of an experienced chef who works at a top restaurant. Let's say that person has requested leave to treat a disability condition. Perhaps there's an injury uh, or perhaps um, someone has a neurological condition that they've been recently diagnosed with. Perhaps uh, that someone is dealing with a psychiatric condition. They request leave, certainly a typical form of reasonable accommodation. However, in this instance, the person can provide a uh, estimate or a fixed return date to the restaurant. Now, in this situation, because it's an experienced chef working at a uh, you know a restaurant descri- described as a top restaurant, meaning that it's uh, something where it's you know it's more specialized. It's not uh, your local fast food joint, whatever that may be. There's conditions that make it more difficult for an employer to accommodate this request to have that uncertainty. And so, therefore, this would be an exa- denying this request probably would be permissible by the employer because of the uncertainty and because of the specific circumstances around the type of work and the staff who are able to do this very particular specialized kind of work. The second example on this is one of a usher who works at a movie theater. The person happens to be low vision and they request that the lights never be turned down lower than a specific level. Again, because of the nature of the work this person does, working in a theater where bringing down the lights completely is at points going to be necessary, trying to accommodate them likely would pose an undue hardship. And so for that reason, denying that request probably would be permissible. The third and final example is a crane operator who is part of a larger four-person team. If that one individual crane operator requests to adjust their schedule, say by an hour, that impacts the other three coworkers, and you need the four coworkers of the team in order to operate the crane. Uh, it may well not be possible to adjust the work schedule that way because it would impact other workers um, beyond um, just the individual which in and of itself is not always an issue, but in this circumstance, it likely would be because it's a very specialized piece of equipment, likely that has to operate within very specific hours um, on a work site. And so for that operation, it may well be an undue hardship. That's it for today's podcast. I hope you found the information interesting and hopefully useful. If you have questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act that you would like to have answered, please feel free to reach us here at the Northeast ADA Center. You can call us 1-800-949-4232. You can reach us if you live in New York, New Jersey, Puerto Rico, or the U.S. Virgin Islands. 
However, no matter where you live, you can visit us on the web at northeastada.org, submit a question through our website, and of course, you can always follow us on social media by looking for Northeast ADA on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. As always, I'd like to thank Grace Fairchild, our editor and producer for the podcast. Thank you as well to Peter Quinn, who also does some additional editing. Peter is with the YTI media team. And thank you listeners for tuning in and being a part of the conversation. 